0: Hey guys and welcome to Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. This is my podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I always say tuning in. It's really, that's, that's an antiquated phrase, Sammy. Yeah,
1: no one does that. It's like tuning into what?
0: I don't know. When I'm an old dial. man. Um, thank you for downloading this podcast to use the parlance of the times. Uh, <laughs> week...
1: Parlance is another really <laughs> big word right now.
0: <laughs> I am very in tune with how the kids speak. Mm-hmm. Um, here's two words that come up. From the kids' mouths, John and Krasinski. Ooh. Yeah, John Krasinski is the guest on Happy Second Confused this week. Uh, so happy that he uh, found the time to be with us. Um, he just left the office. Sammy uh, and Jenna walked in virtually as he was walking out. No. But you didn't see him.
1: Yeah, you made it very clear I was to stay upstairs Look, until he was.
0: Your enthusiasm about <laughs> him being here was borderline oh. worrisome.
1: Nice, and he would have liked
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> you jumped into his arms.
1: You yeah. would like it. Do you know
0: what we didn't address with John when I spoke what? to him? He's he's a tall drink of water. He's At, a tall man. Uh-huh. Don't I know it. um Do you know how? You know he has two older brothers. Mm-hmm. His brothers are even taller. His brothers are like six six and six ten.
1: What six ten is I, seems uh, yeah not that's safe.
0: yeah I know that's that's borderline like yeah, you
1: can't walk. Into yeah. buildings. <laughs> like, unique custom buildings. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it's that really, really interesting.
0: Apparently not fascinating enough for me to bring up in the conversation today. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> Everybody's on the edge of their seats <laughs> right now.
0: That was going to be the 51st minute of our conversation. We um, just didn't get around to it. Um, John is in a new movie. He has directed a new movie called The Hollers. It has a fantastic cast, including um, the likes of Anna Kendrick, a Margot Martindale. Woo-woo. <laughs> Richard Mario. Jenkins, Josh Groban, Charlton Copley, Charlie Day. The list goes on.
1: Groban?
0: On. Groban's in it. I talked to Groban about we, The last time I saw uh, uh, Krasinski, I saw Groban as well. It was oh. at Sundance where this film debuted.
1: There is like this perfect world where everybody in it is John Krasinski and Josh Groban. Yeah. And they all just have like floppy hair and like, <laughs> you know, really... <laughs> Sweet <laughs> sweetness.
0: Well, he, he did assemble, like, yeah, a very sweet cast. Yeah. All these people are great people and fine actors. And this is um, kind of a family dramedy, the kind of film that um, I dig. I assume you probably enjoy, I dig. And, uh, and and frankly, the kind of film that doesn't get enough play in theaters nowadays because there are too many damn superhero movies taking Look. up the multiplex. I, I right. love those too, but but there should be room for movies uh, the likes of uh, the Hollers. So check it out. Um, opening in theaters soon, and support. Independent film and support our buddy uh, John Krasinski. Did Um, he do
1: any any Office talk?
0: We did talk a little with Office. Um, He's very um, he's very open and like aware of like the perception of him, and he's so grateful like where he is. Like he knows like you know how difficult it, how, you know, people, um, you know, box you in people, people assume you're one kind of a thing. And especially if a, a show like the office, a role like Jim, mm-hmm. um, was so iconic. And I think people, when they see him, they associate
1: him with Isn't that it, as they should. Is he Jim in real life? Cause that's what I just <laughs> like. I, it was weird well, when you said his name was John. I was oh, sorry, like, Oh my God, sorry. you're wrong. That's not his name. He certainly is Jim
0: ask mm-hmm. in that. He's, uh, he looks the part and is,
1: <laughs> <laughs> he, lo- he looked John Krasinski looks exactly like, like Jim Not exactly, office. like
0: 92%. Yeah. Well, now he's, now he's got the 13 hours abs, which we discuss.
1: Oh, he, <laughs> you do you? Got we
0: do, we have to, you know. Right. I, I, I like you're to, the ab guy. I like to talk abs. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he's going off to, again, kind of be in the action kind of hero vein where he's, he's doing uh, Jack Ryan, mm-hmm. um, a TV show for Amazon that sounds really cool. We talk about it. It's like um, 10 episodes, but the idea is to kind of like do almost like a a movie each year, like a a 10-episode story each year. Um, And they're shooting it um, in some cool places and on a big budget. So I think it's going to have a really cool look to it. I can get
1: behind that.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, So yeah, he is uh, delightful. I mean, he's one of those guys truly... The
1: energy in this room, just from him having just been here, is just... (laughs) calming and gentle.
0: Yeah. No, if you're, you're in John's presence, you feel well, mm-hmm. you're, you're with a friend, you're with someone that's a like-minded, that. uh, a uh, guy with a good film taste. We, we nerd out on a lot of film, um, and, uh, and, and yeah, and just talk sort of about the high points of his career and, of course, a lot about the hollers. So um, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. Um, not much more to say except uh, if you haven't checked out, I'm going to hype it up again because it's my little baby outside of Happy Second Fused. Check out uh, Junketeers Yay. on Comedy Central Digital. We actually talk about it a little bit because one of the actors in Junketeers is, uh, is a friend of uh, John's. Uh, uh, Barrick Hartley, who plays uh, Deckard in the show um did some commercial spots with him. I, I so like, yeah. um so yeah, so that that organically came up. Who knew? Um so yeah, so if you haven't checked out Junketeers, please check it out. Eight episodes on Comedy Central's YouTube channel with the likes of Kristen Bell and Josh Dumel and Chloe Grace Moretz and Matt Boomer, so many good Matt people. Matt Boomer, we love Matt Boomer. He's been on the podcast. A lot of people that have been on the podcast. Dumel's yeah. been on the podcast. I can't believe
1: you have just Matt Boomer completely full frontal nudity for an entire episode.
0: Yeah, let's go with that. Let's let's so <laughs> that. Yeah, yes, if you want nude Bomer. so tune in. <laughs> there, there is backside uh, Dumel, yeah. so you, like, I can full guarantee you that. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so check that out, and of course, uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode with um, the affable, the talented, the tall drink of water that is yeah. Johnny Krasinski. Johnny K. Johnny K. Uh, he's enjoy.
1: gonna hate you now.
0: Yeah, don't. He's not listening. It's okay.
1: That's very <laughs> Fuck you, Krasinski.
0: No, we love you. No,
1: we love you. Come back, so <laughs> I can hang out. Okay.
0: But Why do you put it in quotes?
1: Because you don't like me to be happy.
0: Enjoy the podcast.
1: That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> really freaking me out. Yeah. Michael Shannon or oh,
2: the yeah that. Can you tell who that is, Mr. Krzyzewski? J Law and Cooper.
0: Wow, you're you're an aficionado of if, if they made it. Well, as a it's... former Conan intern, you know if they made it well. Exactly. Back oh in God. the day, remember that? Did they still do that on the new show? I guess that's oh, property so. of NBC. Yeah, yeah,
2: that whole thing. Man, that was everybody always asks like, "What's your biggest influence comedically?" It's always Conan.
0: Me so growing like my growing Carson. We're, we're we're close in age, so I think um, similarly. Yeah, you're Conan. In, right? I'm 22, oh, and <laughs> okay. you're 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't look a day over 16. Thank sweet you. 16. Thanks. How you. was your sweet 16? Did you have a big sweet 16 party? By the way,
2: what did I do for my sweet 16? Is it okay that we're recording? By the way, yeah, no, go ahead, die, we'll man. Let's go, go right
0: to the sweet 16.
2: Um, what did I do for my 16th birthday? That's around license time. Right. I don't remember it. I, I never I got my like license. Went to a movie with like a friend.
0: Right. So and
2: I don't mean that tragically. I mean, that's what I wanted to
0: do. Yeah. The, that's still my goal. Just to go see a movie with a friend, right. maybe my wife.
2: Exactly. Oh,
0: that's <laughs> nice. That's sweet. Um, welcome to MTV. Welcome to my, oh my little God, podcast. It's so good to be here. Uh, welcome to Your my sketchy, office weird office.
2: Huge. It's got a weird studio audience here that are very quiet, wonderfully well behaved. No windows. No, no windows. An ET doll.
0: Is that an original? Like me, meaning 80s? what? Meaning no, I haven't kept my my childhood toys. So you know in that what I'm talking of, about? Because the of leather course.
2: ones were like
0: right. That's when you say that. Weird my wife actually ones. still has her leather one at no. her childhood home. Yeah, really? it's 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 seen better days. Do you remember the ET? It was the most uncomfortable doll to sleep with because you were like yeah. I love ET, rubbing against is, yeah, you, it's and like it's weird sweating against couch. you. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have the ET uh, album, the um, the Michael Jackson spoken word music thing? Oh, God, I don't know
2: if I had it, but I remember that. Yeah. Boy, you're really ringing some bells here.
0: Good, that's the goal. Do you remember Atari Twenty Six Hundred? Of course. Okay, good.
2: <laughs> Do, you Do you remember the ET game? That they, yes. That whole, horrible.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Did you? What was your? Was that your first game console, the Atari?
2: Oh my god, yeah! But we were so far behind on everything. We were we were definitely those kids who went to other people's houses to play video games, right? I think we got. A, I think I got. That's probably what I got for my Sweet Sixteen is an Atari Twenty Six Hundred. <laughs> no, that's way behind. That's no, I not know right. it's way behind.
0: Because I, I always, I felt like I was um, living a really sad life because I, I chose, and it's my own fault. I was a Sega guy growing up. Oh, so yeah, I would do yeah, the yeah. Sega Master System and Genesis while all the cool oh, kids right. were doing. You had Sonic the Hedgehog. I love Sonic. When Hedgehog. everybody
2: else had Mario Brothers,
0: and I had Tom, but I did have Tommy Lasorda Baseball, which was an amazing. Oh, game. Oh
2: yes, that's right. I remember people being yeah, that's right. Because you because. Well, Nintendo had, like, MLB or something. Right.
0: Right. They had the actual licensed players. But we had had Tommy Lasorda. I had Tommy Lasorda. (laughs) Go Spoto. Um, As if you couldn't tell, uh, John Krasinski is promoting the hollers. An excellent... No,
2: no. I'm promoting Tommy Lasorda baseball. (laughs)
0: Making the rounds, traveling the country a bit, yes. spreading the good word. I mean, this yeah. is, you know, this is uh, not uh, a budget of the likes of Suicide Squad, so you gotta, you know, put yourself out yeah, there. Spread the good up. word.
2: I feel like it's fun to talk about the movies that you're proud of. So this is this is one that is so easy to talk about. I, I had a blast doing it and was honored to direct it as well as be in it.
0: So last time I saw you, you were actually <clears throat> talking about this. It was Sundance next to Murder River. <laughs> Remember that? That's
2: right. There were like shoes in the trees. There were, and it was a really eerie. Like we were trying to be having a good time, but it was really weird. <laughs> it was cloaked I think you in dark. Hit by a bike, didn't you?
0: Well, well yeah, you it's bike. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all coming back.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's weird liked... that I remember it more than you. No, I felt true. like you would love that day, but you don't. You just <laughs> meaningless to you me. Just threw it aside. <laughs> Because Damon came in and talked about Bourne, and it all went away.
0: That's not true. That's not true. It's just that, um, as you can see again from my office, uh, all of the environments in which I do interviews are sketchy and weird and good places to murder people.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. This isn't your office. This is,
0: who's <laughs> this that is my, guy with a mask? This is my, <laughs> it's my murder hole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but as I recall, the, the weird part about the timing when you were you, – you, that was the debut of The Hollers. Mm-hmm. It was also right around when 13 Hours had. Come out, I believe. Yeah, thirteen right?
2: hours had come out. I
0: think two weeks before or something. So, and it was obviously doing well. Had gotten a, a big response from the, the box office, etc. And uh, your physique had been getting a great response. I felt, <laughs> I, I felt like I, I was, you know, doing my journalistic, you know, uh, duty by asking you about your abs. So I feel like all of your interviews at Sundance were probably sixty percent abs, forty percent. Yeah, uh, that's hollers. fair.
2: Is that's that okay. Fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm glad to your computer shut because I think it's just all my abs. <laughs> yeah, my, just it's searches. My, my Google searches of. <laughs> John Krasinski abs. Um, yeah, you want to see what? When auto you fill on John abs, Krasinski. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, show them off, you know? Not me. I'm saying you. Like, put them up in your office. It's weird that you came in shirtless for this interview, though. <laughs> hey, listen. This is how I do most interviews, but uh, certainly for you, I knew you were a fan. Uh, but obviously not a big enough fan to
0: remember our amazing interview. Uh, Come on. Interview. Don't be like that. No, it's that. fine. I'm, I'm getting insecure. It's fine. Um, Yeah, this might be the most self-deprecating, insecure (laughs) conversation between the two of us. It's like, you. No, I might have found somebody that out.
2: (laughs) The thing I love about Josh is you go off topic quick. (laughs) And sometimes you get stuck there.
0: So, yeah, where
2: should we go next? Like in a sand hole from Princess Bride. Boom. That was a good reference.
0: uh, Great reference. Okay, we're going to dig into uh, all that kind of movie from our mutual childhoods. Not mutual, because we didn't share our childhood, as far as I know. No, but right? maybe we did. Maybe we did. Who knows? We'll get into that in a second. Let's well, talk. We talked about you're your 22 years old, right? <laughs> Grew up in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the hollers, obviously, a labor of love. Any film that you direct, your second feature that you've directed, yes. Um, this, I mean, you've talked about this before, and and I tend to agree. Many filmmakers agree. Um, casting is so important, and something like this, and you certainly have surrounded yourself, yeah. uh, with the best of the bunch: Margot Martindale, Richard Jenkins.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I remember hearing. I think. Uh, I think Scorsese said in an interview that like 90% of your job as a director is done if you cast the right people, which I think is really interesting. And it, it sounds like just a line, but it's really true, especially with something like this. Margot Martindale is phenomenal in everything she's ever done. If you don't know her, check again, because you do, you're like, Oh, who's Margot Martindale? And then look her up online. You'll be like, Oh, right. Oh, the, the person that stood out everything. in that movie yeah, was exactly. like the best thing she's, in that movie. Yeah, exactly. And so to get her to do this, I'm really proud because she's gotten plenty of accolades her whole career, but I think this is an opportunity for her to be seen doing something that is so specific, so amazing, and and puts her on uh, you know par with being one of the best there's ever been. And, and I certainly feel that, and I love giving her this role to be able to show that because she made the movie elevated in a way that was so necessary. So, I mean, to me, there's a lot of the casting. And then you get someone like Richard Jenkins, who's... Again, one of those actors who's just been in everything and so good in everything. Um, and I think all the rest of us really looked up to the two of them. And it was me, Anna Kendrick, Charlotte O'Copley, and uh, um, and uh, Josh Groban, and Charlie Day, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Randall Park's in the movie, too. Yeah. yeah. Everybody in the interviews is like, Asian gems in the oh. movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, he's much, much bigger than Asian Jim.
0: No, you're, 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 uh, you're white gem. They should uh, yeah, they call yeah, you yeah, that, yeah. right? Yeah. So they... Um, it's funny because like, when I think of some of those actors you mentioned, also I think of like how they can do you know depending on the part they can do a lot with a little. You mentioned Richard Jenkins, and I think of like so many different roles, but I think of parts like I always love the the let, let the right one in remake, the let, let me in where he has like almost no dialogue in the oh, film. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, remarkable. Yeah. So like your 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 job as a director once you're on set, I mean you, you have this cushion. You know you've cast virtually the best in the business. Mm-hmm. And you're going to hopefully elevate mm-hmm. an already uh, a script that you're already very happy with. Right. Um, but I mean, give me a sense of sort of like on set, like how much quote unquote directing of the actors you have to do or feel incumbent upon you to do. Well, you
2: know, what's funny. I remember asking Matt Damon about, um, Clint Eastwood and he was like, it's scary to work for Clint cause you only do one or two takes. And, he, and I said, did you ever talk to him about it? And he said, yeah. I said, you know, could I ever have another one? And Clint said, yeah, if you want another one, you can have one. But I hired you because I knew you'd do the job that you can do. Right. And I think that this was the first time I really saw that, which was, you know, it's a small budget movie, but I got all these incredible actors that, you know, we, you know, a movie of this size doesn't necessarily usually get. So I was so happy to do it. So my job as a director was really just to get out of their way. I mean, to set up an environment where... They could play, feel free to do what they do, add, you know, their interpretation, throw in some lines and just feel like we were all a part of it. And it yeah. worked. I mean, I really think by the end of it, you know, Margot always says we were a real family by the end. And I really think we were. We We keep in touch. But also there's something very special about the shooting of this movie that... You almost look back on, like, like summer camp, you're mm-hmm. like, I remember those days, and I'll always remember it. It was something really, really special.
0: Do you, I mean, you, you know, you're, you're very much, I would imagine, aware of sort of, like, the, the business of movies right now, and sort of the place for different kinds of movies, mm-hmm. and frankly, there are less movies of this type that get a shot at the box office, 100%, or, yeah. or, or even get a shot to be in a, in a movie theater Well, nowadays. that's exactly why I
2: did the movie, to be honest, because, you know, there, there's no rhyme or reason to what choices I make I try to make especially since the office I try to make more interesting choices and trying something different so 13 hours was obviously extremely different and you know the hollers directing this is the more linear movie but I I also love the idea of fighting for scripts that you believe in and this script's been around for like 10 years I signed on as an actor like seven years ago before I was a director and you get to tell the story and the reason why listen let's be honest we've all seen movies about families before and I think what this is is Jim Strauss wrote a script that was incredibly specific and so Very similar to like an Alexander Payne movie. I think he rides that rail between drama and comedy in a way that feels very real. You don't feel manipulated by swelling music to cry and you don't feel really hammy with these jokes. It just feels like, oh my God, that's my family and my family's a little nuts. And so let's laugh about it. And I think that was the success of The Office. You know, people didn't watch it just because it was a comedy show. They watched it because they had a Dwight in their office or their boss was insane. And So I think that connectivity, that universal connectivity is, is huge. Um, so for me, I I really wanted to make a movie that I used to watch as a kid. I mean, I think a lot of my favorite movies, I don't know if they'd be made today. Um, and one of them way back in this sort of genre was terms of endearment. And I remember that movie is just phenomenal and has a phenomenal cast doing a very, you know, it's simple storytelling. It's classic storytelling. It's just about a family and there's really fun stuff going on. Um, even like a, a movie like, um, Even Dead Poet Society, you know, which was so massive for me because I was about that age of the kids that were in the school, but also, you know, just that idea of a really good story that's told um, in an emotional way has some fun light moments, but is also connecting to you. And you're right; these movies just don't get a shot anymore. So, if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it at the level where I could literally look a a random stranger in the eyes and say, "You will cry in this movie, and you will laugh in this movie." And it's it's one of those movies where my promise is you paid however much for the ticket did did it deserve that money and right. I, I think
0: this one does do you, do you think that i mean i would think as a filmmaker i mean certainly as an actor but even more as a filmmaker um, there must be something just so gratifying about provoking like a visible emotional response i mean it, it is sounds a little uh, it sounds almost a little callous in a way but like to see someone's face and be like i made you cry
2: no it's it's really <laughs> unbelievable yesterday i was doing an interview And um, this very sweet woman took about five minutes to start asking me questions, and I I really felt terrible. I thought I had done something, and she said, no, my mom uh, looks a lot like Margot Martindale, and she has experienced something like this. And I'm not really sure how to begin talking to you about this. And to me, that's what the beauty of movies is. Listen, I want to be taken away to space, and I want to see robots, and I want to see all that stuff. But I also want to... Sometimes just kick back and and go through something kind of emotional. And those are the movies I've always loved. And yes, I've never had this sort of thing. I mean, I guess 13 Hours was very powerful at the end. And certainly I felt moved just reading the story and knowing about the story. But with this, I think, yeah, when you're in a screening and you're watching people cry, it's very... um, hard to watch in a way because you you, you feel very bad for the people, but you also feel like, Oh, I wasn't wrong. This story is right. very powerful. And, and it's something that I think everybody can relate to. There are always movies where you cry because of the moment that you're supposed to cry. And then there's this movie where I think most people just connect to their family members.
0: What's, what's the most nerve wracking screening for a film like this? Like, is, is it like the, an early cut with friends and families? Is it the first like, time you get into the edit room at all and just look at an assembly cut? Is it at Sundance? It's, that's a really good question. I mean, I remember uh, friends telling me, friends who direct
2: calling it the suicide cut is in the beginning. Cause it just feels like you blew it. And the, the first cut that you ever see is that just assembly. Yeah. And it, it's, it really is sort of like, this unwieldy, what is this? What are we watching? What did we shoot? Is this all we got? And yeah. it's very terrifying. But that's a whole different thing. That's almost like shooting in the dark.
0: Yeah, uh, Tom Cheadle was in here recently for the podcast, and he <laughs> said after he looked at that first cut four miles ahead, he literally thought, like, I'm never going to release this film. Like He, I, he, I had, he had to take months away yeah. from the edit room and be I, like, I don't know what to do.
2: I did the exact same thing. That's so funny because, and listen, I've directed before. I I knew it was coming. All my friends who direct tell me it's coming, and you don't really feel like... You don't understand what it feels like. It's so bizarre. It's like buying, I don't know, anything, like a car or a house or something and saying this is exactly what I wanted to buy. And then when they deliver it, it's just like on fire, <laughs> has no wheels, and, uh, you know, there's there's puppies in the burning car. And you're like, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. Please make it stop.
0: So, okay, so flash forward, so that's its own thing you're saying.
2: Yeah, that's its own thing. But I think, you know, probably the most terrifying for me was, or, or or the one I was most nervous about was Sundance. Because that's when people are, you know, real people are seeing it. It's not your friends. It's not your family. It's not your agents. It's not, you know, it's, it's people who love movies, too. Right. You know, that's the other thing about Sundance is you go there. I, I love going to Sundance because it's always the forefront of great filmmaking and storytelling and so you feel like wow i'm i'm in, i'm with the cool kids they i i hope they like it and you know we got a standing ovation of like 1400 people i've never had that in my career boy i hope i get another one but if not that one was really really special i'll never forget that i yeah. mean truly that was an initiation into a a really special place for me that that I'll never forget,
0: yeah it's funny, I mean you mentioned like Sundance and obviously my kind of experience going there as a as a quote unquote journalist, I was shy away from calling myself a journalist because the kind of things I do are so stupid, no, you're a but, snarky critic no I'm not a critic guy, no, no you're I'm you're, snarky you're but a... not a critic. <laughs> Thankfully, I've never had to review films either. Thank God. Oh, my God. But, um, but I do... What I, you would say about films. That's not true. God, I want to know <laughs> what's in that closet of a brain. The next 15 minutes, we're going to discuss how, the, all the reasons I love License to Wed. And just oh, go yes. deep. Deep cut. <laughs> yeah, no. But I mean, I was going to say, like, those film festivals for me are, like, the boost I need to remind myself, like, why I love all of this. And, like, you know, I'm going to Toronto in a couple weeks. And I, I yes. so look forward to that kind of, like yeah I know there's so much cynicism in your side of the business, my side of the yeah. business, and you kind of need those reminders of like there's there's good product out there, the people making things with the best of intentions, mm-hmm. and there are audiences out there there might be smaller, they might be different kind of audiences than back in the heyday of the seventies but yeah,
2: I think for me what i what I've constantly tried to understand more and more every day is. So we're in this world where there's new outlets for everything. There's podcasts, there's, you know, digital, there's TV, film, all this different stuff. So there's so many different ways to experience good product. And yet everybody seems to be looking at it the same way as they used to, which is like, you know, is this movie a Paul Thomas Anderson movie? Nope, no no movie is that good, you know, <laughs> as good as that or right. in the same vein as that. And is this movie going to make 150 million dollars? Probably not because we made it for, you know, a much smaller sum. And so it's this weird thing where everybody seems to be judging the product for the same reasons that they they judge uh, other things that don't fit. And so I, I just love that places like Sundance in Toronto is you know, it gets back to the reason why we all love movies. And I don't mean anybody in this business. I mean, like the reason why people connect to movies is because it is, it does transport you to a different place. Right. And you can talk to your parents about it. The first time they saw, I don't know, Gone with the Wind or something, or The Wizard of Oz. And, and then you can talk to, you know, me, I remember watching a movie like in the bedroom Mm -hmm. and just being like, Oh my God, this is possible. Like this small, beautiful, perfectly told story in my account was, was great. Or yeah. a movie like Junebug that, you know, I had never seen indie film before I went to college. Cause I was just that kid If like, if it wasn't in the cineplex or it wasn't on the radio, I wasn't taking it in. Sure. And so when I was in school, my, the thing I offered all my friends was please give me an album and a in a movie every week to watch. And so I, my real education in college came from that. And so I watched all this great stuff and it impacts you in a way where you really getting back to the festival thing. And I'm rambling like a 96 year old, but the truth is, is like, I love it because I think the same reason you do, which is, we're all in it together. We're all, we all get to just say we love it. You yeah. know, it, it it's kind of like our version of comic con or something where you can just go and be like, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, instead of
0: judging it. Well, and, and, and that brings up uh, a, a new part of the conversation in terms of like uh, a mutual love of film. So there was a, there was a, a fun little hashtag on Twitter the other day. It was like, I think it was like hashtag seven fave films. Like a lot of people were posting their seven favorite films mm-hmm. of all time. I, I, was sucked into it, and of course, like as soon as I posted my seven, I was like, no, there are 20 others I should have right, swapped really, in there. Yeah. So, um, My you... answer
2: to that question is always the same, which is like, you can never say them in order, Yeah, but yeah, here's insane. here's seven of my okay, favorite Okay, g- give, give seven. Oh, we're doing it. Oh, God.
0: Yeah, give, a, give a few. If you need a pencil and paper, what, what do you need? No, I, I'll okay.
2: tell you. I always, because I watch movies. I'm one of those guys who watches movies over and over and over. So, I mean... Of, I don't know in order, but seven of my favorite twenty five.
0: Uh, don't No pressure. This, these just define the human beings. Oh, okay. Great, great.
2: Um, I think one of my favorite movies of all time that I watched the most is The Verdict. Uh, Paul Newman's The Verdict, written by David Mamet and Sidney uh, Lumet directed it. it. was amazing. Um, the Godfather's, obviously, that's a boring answer, but it's boring for a reason because everybody should love those and
0: movies. And do you want those... The first two together or do you differentiate
2: i do lump the first two together i'm one of those guys who it's like to me it's a world it's it's like game of thrones it's like if you're in you're in all the way right. just because you can't get enough of it and so yeah I, I mean i think the story itself i think a lot of people see it as like the story is is one big thing you can't sure. chop them up yeah sure the movies are a little different but it's both amazing absolutely um one of the first movies Emily and I started watching over and over and over together was Jaws. Jaws is a perfect Jaws movie. Jaws is a perfect movie. It's a movie. perfect Every God time damn I movie. write a straight, I watch Jaws like three times straight and go, great. I'll never be able to achieve that, but let's give it
0: a shot. Um, it's, it's a perfect it's movie. It's got like 10 iconic, amazing scenes you can, that are yeah, you can quote all day. And
2: I'm a big crier. I like to cry, so... There's Kramer versus Kramer. There's ordinary people. There's all those amazing movies. All the President's Men didn't cry in I was that one necessarily. Say, wow, that's. I mean, when Deep Throat comes out, it's so emotional. <laughs> it's so emotional. How Holbrook always gets me. Oh, how Holbrook does always get me. My <laughs> God, that guy can say
0: hello to me and I cry. Oh, when he showed up in like Into the Wild a few years ago. Which like just... then Promised Land he did with us. Oh, of course. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. How's still with us, yes? Yes. Amazing. Good for Yes, yeah. that's great. Okay, so, okay, that's a four or five. So it sounds like, I mean, there's nothing to... Did I do... That wasn't seven, was it? No, can you... Can you, can you no, no, did, you did I? One? No, I think it was. I think okay. I threw you had, in like you a had couple Godfather. There. There. You had Verdict. You I had, uh, had uh, Ordinary Jaws, People. Ordinary People. John Kramer versus Kramer. Okay, K. That looks wrong on paper, but one, <laughs> two, three, four, five. Oh,
2: man. Um, 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 Ernest Goes to Camp, you said? Or yeah. Was Ernest, Ernest, Ernest by the way, Ernest Goes to Camp... I watched a billion times. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about movies that transform my life, Tommy Boy has to be <laughs> on there. Um, there's also a movie that actually I think I was most obsessed with. Uh, again, is it on the pantheon of those others? Maybe in a way, yes. Is um, uh, Safe Men? Oh, sure. You ever Sam seen Rockwell, Safe Men? John Hamburg directed Good. it. Yeah, John Hamburg. I think it was his first movie yeah. out of film school. If you haven't seen this movie, see it. The Giamatti, right? Yeah, it's amazing. I think it was the first movie for those guys. It was like Ruffalo. Sam Rockwell, Paul Giamatti, Harvey Firestein's in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Steve Zahn's in it. it Who's oh, amazing in it? Who else? Just everybody. If you if you weren't in that movie, you're Judy a nobody. Judy Dench
0: is, has that huge. Oh no, yeah, Judy Dench no, has that 17 no. second
2: Oscar winning. <laughs> no, no.
0: Um, so do, do you? Uh, does your film taste ever differ significantly with Emily's? Do, are there films that you have argued about in terms of? I love this. Why can't you see why this is a perfect movie? <laughs> no, because
2: not to sound cheesy, but it's a it's like, mind.
0: I'm, I'm a legitimate film
2: nerd, as I know you are. And it's, it's to me is every movie's different. So there are movies that everyone will say is awful. And then I go see it. And I'm like, I loved it. You know, it's just about what you're seeing on the day and how you feel and blah, blah, blah. So, there will be days where I will walk out of a movie and I'll say I love it, and she's like, "I didn't, I didn't totally love it," sure. or I say the opposite. And to me, that's the best part: is it just didn't hit you in the right way. What, uh, what's do you have a favorite of her films? I have many favorites. I mean, I think most recently Sicario was one of the best films I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I know it sounds like I'm plugging it, but I, I will, I will say for me. Um, the first time I've ever not realized it was my wife on, or I should say, I forgot that it was my wife on screen was, um, girl on the train. Oh, nice. I just saw it It came out. Well, it. that's it's, great. It's coming out. Oh my God. She's unbelievable. It's, um, it's one of those acting performances. That's like a magic trick where you, instead of just saying, Oh, it's great. You actually wonder how you achieved that. So awesome. I keep looking for her, uh, magic tricks and she doesn't tell me anything.
0: Uh, we guys aren't talking. It's no, we don't speak
2: at all. No. Uh, the divorce was like two weeks ago, but it feels like years. Oh, God, this
0: is a yeah, good I was going to say, printed don't, don't worry. We don't take this out of context. At least I don't. Um, is there a lot of Mary Poppins <laughs> being like, sung you're at
2: You're like, I don't, but the New York Times <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, did. Anyway, I'm not responsible for the rest of the internet. <laughs> is there a lot of Mary Poppins being sung at home right now?
2: She doesn't sing for me uh, out loud. She—I uh, don't know how else you would sing. <laughs> that sounded bizarre. Um, no, she doesn't sing. She sings uh, with her eyes to she me. She doesn't sing out loud. I gotta say, one of the most um, insane moments of my relationship with her was—I flew over to be with her for uh, into the woods for a couple weeks—and they went into the studio to pre-record the songs. And I swear to you that I have never heard my wife sing a note. It was like finding out your like partner has a
0: superpower. Ex- like.
2: <laughs> That's exactly what I say. So there's like a 125 piece beautiful orchestra. There's Rob Marshall who's like, oh, this is great. You're gonna love it. And I said, oh, I've never heard him sing. And he did like the slowest, most dramatic take and was like, oh my God. <laughs> and, he was, and he just did this thing with his hand. He just cued the orchestra and she started singing and I just wept. <laughs> it was so intense. And by the way, Stephen Sondheim was sitting right next to me. It was Amazing. a bizarre... Unbel- and he was loving it. He was like conducting in the air. And, and then she came out and I, I always say about my wife, she's like that girl I went to high school with, which is when the tests were coming back. I was like, what did you get? And she's like, I failed. And I was like, me too. <laughs> and then her test comes and it's like an A plus, And mine was definitely an F. I'm more of a realist, I guess. And she's like, oh, I don't sing very well. And then she came out and she was like, how was that? And I said, I don't know. You just crushed my soul. Like,
0: Good God. Now, do you sing?
2: No, I think I'm scientifically the worst singer on earth. <laughs> it's been tested. Maybe you should stop drinking your Diet Dr. Pepper. It's not good for the vocal cords. No, I just heard that, like, soda. Should I not be drinking soda? <laughs> I don't know. I can't keep up with what we should and shouldn't do. No.
0: I think Diet Dr. Pepper, medical science, I is, think, has like, decided it I just is. just booze,
2: it's... tobacco, and heroin is a steady <laughs> diet.
0: Um, what were we talking about? We're talking about singing. Okay. Here's a, here's a question. So, you know, obviously coming off of The Office a few years back, um, you know, Again, self awareness of sort of your, your worth, quote unquote, in the business, what you can mm-hmm. get done, and mm-hmm. like financing mm-hmm. and all that kind of annoying yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, how cognizant of, of of that are you in terms of like the quote unquote power you have to get a film like The Hollers made, which, um, you know, not a lot of people can probably make that for reasons already discussed. Right. right. Um, using your power for good, as it were, and, and a sense of sort of where you are in the pecking <clears throat> order of making things happen.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you talk about it because I remember. Um, uh, when I did Leatherheads with George Clooney, I remember we were doing a test screening, and I certainly had never known what a test screening was. And I remember George calling me and saying, You have to come to this. And I remember thinking, That's sort of a terrifying, awful thing to put someone through is, uh, you know, 30 people talking about you when they don't know you're there. And it was the most awesome experience for me because it just informed me so much about that side of things. And I personally am one of those people who wants to learn everything about what you're doing, what I'm doing. And so for me, you can't enjoy all the incredible opportunity that comes with this business and not know the the inner workings of it and how, right. how it works. And so I don't shy away from that stuff. And so, yeah, the, coming off the office, I think, you know, and then there's also the whole thing about, like, oh, you're coming off the office. Will you ever do anything other than the office? And. I understand all that. I'm not the guy who's like, "Damn it, take me seriously." But seriously, damn it, take me seriously. <laughs> Only um, not voice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but it's all you got to be a realist, and you got to take it all in, and just keep doing what you do, and, and hope that people like it. And if they if they do great, and if they don't, and they have their reasons, that's that's totally on them. So getting back to the whole, what you're worth thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that. So I was attached as an actor, and then the financier actually called. This exact thing happened, and he said he couldn't get the movie made would I ever want to direct it and he asked if I'd buy the script outright I've never done anything like that and again I said I think you have the wrong phone call this is this is not George Clooney <laughs> um and I ended up buying it because I thought you know what this story does need to be told it it is like I said a genre of movies that I miss it's a yeah. it's a bygone era of movies that are really good about family and I think it's important especially in this world it's like to tell simple stories about things like families and being connected is really important so for me it was it was great and Yes, once I started directing and I was able to make calls to get these people to come work on it, 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 it moved very fast. I think we were making a movie within – I think I I had it cast and ready to go in two months, and we were shooting in four. So it's Which, like that's this is pretty remarkable. Yeah, guy, that's, yeah, that's light speed. So, um, yes, I think that I understood that I could get it going, but also I will say – again to credit Jim is I was probably just you know a light to shine on the script for everybody to be like oh my god the script is really good so yeah maybe it was partly me
0: but it's also the project do you you find that um I mean you know you've been the smart about your career and also um there's a fair amount of talent you're gonna be like but also stupid no I wasn't (laughs) gonna say that but I I was I was gonna compliment you by saying that you obviously you know you you can write well you obviously co-wrote with Matt um the promised land obviously uh director and act and so you, you can kind of chart your own path to a degree, at least compared to some who are a little bit more beholden to Mm -hmm. others. Um, I mean, that being said, I'm curious, like, you know, as you started to do films in between seasons of The Office or you could mm-hmm. fit it in, et cetera, wh- were, there, were there frustrations? Was there ever, like, a direction from, like, a, a director saying, can I get a little more Jim in this? Oh,
2: I mean, like yeah. this? I mean, I think that there was never that in specific. But, I again, I was always a realist to understand. Like, I was a waiter before I got The Office. So for people to know me as Jim is one of the greatest honors I can have because it, it was everything. This, that show, is, I wouldn't be here talking to you without that show. And uh, that I would be sad about. Aww. Okay? There's a little beat there. <laughs> um, but uh, The
0: theme of this conversation <laughs> is tears.
2: It's just constant. <laughs> just constant <laughs> crying. Um, but, no, I think that for me, yeah, when I was on The Office, I think also the time schedule, we shot a lot. So we shot about um, eight, nine months out of the year. Uh, straight though. So it was, you know, we didn't get any breaks and, and, you know, we were shooting 16, sometimes 17, 18 hours a day, which was crazy. And, um, which is amazing and fun, but it doesn't give you a lot of time to go to do other things because most movies shoot for about four months. So the math just doesn't add up. So yeah, there was looking for movies that you could fit into, but also that could be well, I I, do well. And I, I thought for me, um, You know, the romantic comedy thing was something that I think everybody sent me and then I got really lucky. First of all, I think, uh, again, I'm a sucker, so I love romantic comedies, but then I got really lucky to do Away We Go and Leatherheads and all these movies that I was so proud to do. And so I I just, again, I've just learned from all the experiences that I've had. So doing movies now... I do have the opportunity and have been afforded the opportunity to take big chances. Yeah. But like you said, I fully understand I'm not Matt Damon. Like I have to write, produce direct my way into other cooler stuff and open new doorways for myself, which I'm happy to do again. I'm happy to work really hard because you know, um,
0: uh, this, this opportunity deserves it. 13 hours. Um, I would say probably clearly opened up some, some doors and changed perceptions of you to a degree. I mean, um, Michael Bay is certainly a singular talent. I I, I, I always uh, feel like I had a, a badge of honor. I was on one of the sets of the Transformer movies and I got yelled at by him in a very sweet way. It was one of those like it was it was like one of those things like <laughs> that him, sounds
2: like him if you got yelled at, but it was in a sweet no,
0: way. I mean, I I didn't take it as negatively at all. In fact, I, I truly think it's a badge of honor. Oh, he, he had like a bullhorn and he was like Josh, I need you to get out of the way. I just need you <laughs> out of the way, man. <laughs> I'll take that. I'm like yeah, I have hey, made he called it. Called you by a name, that's pretty good. Yeah, he I, he, he just Mike. said, hey actor guy. No, no he did. <laughs> number one on the call. Show, Sheet. Yeah. Um but I mean did you give me a sense of sort of like what the, uh, was that a moment for you in terms of like being able to carry a film of that type mm-hmm. of transforming yourself physically of of just like again changing perception did you have the confidence going in that yeah I'm up to this challenge and people are going to take me seriously in this kind of a thing
2: I mean undoubtedly it was a huge shift in my career and I am so proud of that film in so many ways, mostly because of my connection with the military was huge going in. I come from a big military family, but my connection with the military going out has been overwhelming. I mean, I I, I think to be a part of something that people find um, represented what it takes to be a a man or woman that serves is, is an honor for me, but that all aside, shooting it and transforming yourself and all that stuff, that was huge. And listen, again, I'm, I'm a realist. I, I'm not the guy who's going to stand in the corner and go, damn it. I can be more than Jim. It's like, no, go show people that you can. And was I scared? Absolutely. And I was testing myself as much as people were testing whether or not I could do anything other than Jim and that's okay. And, and so for me that I took that role very, very seriously. I try to take all my roles seriously, but that one was pretty heavy and pretty intense. And, and, you know, certainly it was the first time I had ever played a real person, which is a whole new responsibility. And um, I got to know the guy I was playing very, very well. And so there's an intensity there. And, of course, you know, uh, the movie itself coming out and and everybody wanting to see it for whatever political reasons they wanted to, I there was another weight there where I knew people would want to use it as a political, right. you know, not a tool. I was misquoted somewhere as saying, like, I, I thought politicians were using it as a tool. It's not all what I was saying. What I was saying is... Um, don't don't say go see the movie because it's such a political right. thing. Go see the movie because it's about guys that we should all be saying thank you to. You right. know what I mean? And, and what they represent are the men and women we should be saying thank you to every day. I wasn't saying that they were trying to use the movie to promote their own uh, campaigns. But the old internet, the old internet got
0: me. <laughs> well, the, uh, it's also interesting. I mean, I, one would argue perhaps that, um, you know, you're g- going off to do this Jack Ryan series mm-hmm. soon, I would imagine. Yes. Um, and I could see a potential connection there. I don't know if that was going to happen regardless of the Oh, there was a direct connection.
2: The, the, the uh, Amy, who's the amazing head of Paramount Television, saw an early cut of uh, 13 Hours because Paramount did it and she said that when she saw the the movie she was like oh he can that's our jack ryan nice and i didn't know anything about that they were doing jack ryan and when my agent called and said that i thought well there you go like i i never would have gotten this role had i not done 13 hours and that's the beauty of you know what we do is that you can try to transform yourself and push what it is that you do and um so i'm i'm so psyched to do jack ryan i'm also totally terrified <laughs> i can't be like the super confident guy was like, I'm going to kill it. It's like, no, it's going to be, it's going to be a really new role. And I I love taking that stuff on. And I personally think, you know, the pitch to me from Carlton Cuse, who was the showrunner, he just said, you know, perhaps this long form version of a 10 part movie every year will better serve the books because it's hard to jam those books, which are long and they have a lot of stuff going on in them into two hours. So we're not even doing it direct from the books. It's, it's new every year, but that idea of Jack being an analyst and having to, decipher and figure out the plot and solution um, takes a long time so you can do this really wonderful slow burn stuff and yet they're doing it at the level of full movie making meaning like budget wise you know we're shooting in all these fantastic places i definitely think i'll be hanging out of a helicopter and in car (laughs) chases and so it's not that thing of like oh we're going to downsize it to tv right no they're saying we want to make movies uh on on amazon for you to watch Uh, In a longer
0: Longer form So I think that's A
2: really cool thing I'm not saying It's not a TV show But it's kind of Not a TV show (laughs)
0: Well it's It's cool I mean it's obviously A character that A few notable actors Have had a a, a crack at And speaking of Like perfect movies I mean The childhood Hunt for October Is like one of my I agree That's
2: my favorite I mean Harrison Ford's Amazing but I'm Impartial to Alec Baldwin Mostly because He'll kill me If I don't (laughs) (laughs) Hunt for October Is my favorite Um, I'm kidding But Alec I'm coming for you (laughs) I'm basically Going to redo Every role you've ever done Done better.
0: Ooh, Miami Blues next. What are you gonna Ooh, do? That's Miami a good one. Blues,
2: maybe Beetlejuice. Oh, Beetlejuice. Juice. But I couldn't. I couldn't touch that. I can't come near that.
0: I'm very sad that apparently the Beetlejuice sequel is not going to happen. Yeah, what happened to
2: that? I, don't I thought know. it was. Good. I was so excited about that.
0: But, um, yeah, I've, I'm I've, going to ask Alec about it. Please do. He punches I've, me. I've, I'm, I think I'm talking to Tim Burton soon, so I'm going to uh, try and find out because I've been talking to. That's the guy to talk to. Yeah, I guess so. But <laughs> I, every time I, I, I've done a bunch with Winona over the years, and who like you know the fact that I have any kind of relationship with Winona Ryder uh, is like insane to me. Again, childhood yeah, you're, Josh. You're like, yeah,
2: your childhood <laughs> self is like oh my.
0: Yeah, pretty. I I think that actual sound has come out with me when I'm talking to her. It's not very uh, ingratiating or good. But um, she seemed so hopeful last time I spoke to her. And now our dreams are all crushed. I heard, uh, again,
2: I... Well, Only tidbits. But... I, I know nothing, but I I you know, I'm, i was reading along with you where all the, I love rumors and stuff like that. Like what? They're doing that? So, About movies, not like rumors
0: yeah. like Josh killed someone. But <laughs> not a rumor, it's documented. Oh, jeez! Um I'm part of MTV's X CON program. Oh it's really god. sweet. Oh that's to sweet. Get a second shot. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm such a handsome ex-con. Oh, thank you. Um Speaking of, wait, I had I had a tangent I was going to say, Um and I've lost it. Okay, so is Jack Ryan? Not, what are you looking at? You're staring at my weird I'm wall. Looking at, I'm looking at your weird oh, so bulletin this, board
2: of. It has this is my, mur- just my murder list. My- yeah, yeah, it's not a murder list, guys. It's a pure pretentious list.
0: That's not true. There
2: is no sorting. It's just celebrity names on a <laughs> whiteboard, guys. I'm not kidding. Do you want me if to- you were in here, it would just be lists of famous people, but nothing like. Oh, August whatever. I'm interviewing John. Nope. It's just a lot of celebrities you know on the it list.
0: It's, it's, it's New York people. As you can see, it says New York folks up top. And I do sketches a lot. You have never done one with me, and you're going to have to one of these days. And uh, the, That I, seemed threatening. I mean, <laughs> I, just ask the, me. The geez. pointing wasn't really necessary. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> um, and, and then this, there's someone getting married. There's like weird drawings. Oh, that there's was like a sketch
0: married. of a, a sketch. Whatever. Um, but speaking of which, you're no longer a New Yorker, I assume. You, 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 I just you, moved back. Well, you're here? Last week. You're back in New York? Yeah, we're here for good. The New Yorker. Yeah. Round
2: of applause for my studio audience. So many of you. Oh, but I also you. want to point out that it says yeah.
0: London Holt with an exclamation point. So, so, Nick Holt was here for the podcast and he was offended like you are. Uh-huh. He was offended not like you are. He was offended he wasn't on the list. You don't give a shit if you're on the list. Oh, so list you account. just added the list? So, I added a, a London uh, bureau and now I have Nick Holt down.
2: For oh, that. that's so nice. And I'm going to
0: add your name. Oh, um, thank you. So I love that
2: you have Paul Bettany and Billy Crudup, two of my favorite
0: people. They're right next to each other. They're great. Um, Canoe on your board They're not canoodling So I'm so happy here you, You've made the wise decision To make your life here in New York Yes With your two adorable babies Yep um, I also uh, In my copious research uh, As if I didn't know You were a wise man already uh, Someone asked you Your favorite pizza You had the correct answer You said Roberta's Yes
2: Have you been to Roberta's? I <laughs> That's when you know autopsy. You open my stomach,
0: (laughs) fresh mozzarella will just come out. Oh god,
2: it was so delicious. It's the best. And I never realized, like, I don't know why I decided to tweet that that day, but I did because I just, I was that overcome by the taste that was exploding.
0: (laughs) Are you enjoying your time on social media?
2: I'm, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm just getting my truthful. No, here's the thing. I enjoy it. I think I'm awful at it, but I'm trying to be better at it. (laughs) People, I think, look at me and go, "Oh, he's adorable." It's like it's like when a, if like a puppy got social media, you're like, "That's so cute!" How oh, he made a paw
0: print. Do yeah, you, uh, you, you know, I kind of feel the same way. Like I don't use any um, emojis or emoticons or anything. I'm scared of them. Oh yeah, I, there are pros out there. Like
2: right? I read some people's Twitter accounts where I'm like, "Wow, that is just that is a full time job." Yeah. You have a great one liner every day. You have an incredible uh, way of showing me behind the scenes of whatever you're working on, and
0: like I just feel like. We're best friends. What's your What's your criteria for following somebody? I was looking through your followers to see if I could find any kind of differentiating. Usually when people are like, oh, man, why don't you follow me? I go, oh,
2: sorry. You know, and that's really what it it's is. It's out like, of guilt, like yeah. Oh, God, sorry, Chris Evans. Yes, of course I follow when you.
0: F- you follow a mutual friend. I was intrigued by because it's not necessarily someone the general public knows, but I've worked with him recently, is uh, uh, Barrick Hardley.
2: Oh, yes. Do you know Barrick? Very well. He did these Budweiser spots for us. Okay. That never saw the light of day. It was very <laughs> very complicated. I <and> they- <laughs> It was terrible. They were so good, but it was terrible how they didn't get to see the light of day. But it was um, it was a campaign that a buddy of mine, Danny Stessen, who uh, we actually produced this amazing Adult Swim show right. called Dreamcore LLC. That's all Danny's. Danny's probably one of the most talented, incredibly special people I've ever met, and the reason why is because no one else could ever come up with the things that he thinks mm-hmm. of. And you'll find out when you see Dreamcore LLC that I, I am wait. very right. Um, yeah, it comes out I think in October.
0: There's it's results. gonna be great yeah oh anything on you know adult swim is usually has good taste and adult Swim's the best right. programming on television yeah yeah uh well barrick you're gonna have to need to uh, to plug my own material uh you're gonna need to check him out in uh, junketeers we've done he's in oh my, i
2: heard about did this. you hear about it i did oh I good just heard about it on the way over Very fun
0: uh yeah so he's one of the correspondents in our little oh, show he is. yeah he plays kind of like our uber this is Earth. on comedy central, comedy central digital, digital. Yeah, yeah yeah and how's it going it's Man, is it? You don't need to uh, feign uh, interest to you. <laughs> no, I'm very interested.
2: No. I actually think that is a world rife
0: Thank you. with comedy. Well, we've been talking about it for years. Everybody on all sides of the junkets know how absurd that process is. Right. What was your first junket? Do you remember? Uh, and did it blow your, your oh, yeah, mind definitely. apart? It was
2: um, definitely licensed to wed. Yeah. And it blew my mind in every single way because one of the most important ways was because I still couldn't believe that I was like friendly with Robin Williams and he burst into my interviews like three or four times. And I was just praying that that would be the only interview they used because it was, no, but it was, it was amazing. I think it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you do a lot of interviews in one day about the same thing and a lot of people are asking the same things. So it's always really fun when you meet people truly like you who actually ask
0: questions that you want to talk about or get psyched about. Um, speaking of interesting, fascinating questions, I've, I've definitely asked you about this before. But again, just in talking about the evolution of a career, um, one of those uh, silly things that came to light was that you were up for Captain America. You were, yes, you were one of the, the final guys,
2: whatever yep. that means. Yeah, um, I'm probably going to be darted in the neck, but I definitely wore the suit. One did day. you really? Yeah. Oh my god. I can tell you, I didn't look as good as Chris Evans, <laughs> but it looked good. But not. <laughs> yeah, I had not thirded yet. Did your voice so. crack like that yeah, when you was,
0: were? I looked pretty good, and, and that lost <laughs> you the job. The question mark. They're like, you were. You gave a great audition, but they're like, first of all,
2: you don't hand the shield. It flies to you, you dummy.
0: Is that hard? I'm always fascinated by like uh, particularly like superhero auditions or, or auditioning yeah. for Han Solo or something insane like that. We're like, oh my God, like you have to get rid of all self-awareness out oh, of your it's mind insane. because yeah, you're—it's so absurd and silly, and yet yeah, you have I'd to had sell. I had a lot it. of
2: experiences, but when I went in for that again, I'm going to get darted for this. I love all the Marvel movies, so I was a weird nerd for it all, and I was um so ex- there was that excitement of. I wish I could say, like, I was a cool actor guy. Instead, I was like, oh, my God, there's the thing from that. And I remember this because I've since become friends with Chris Hemsworth. Sure. But I remember, this is not a joke. I was putting the suit on, and it was only, like, waist high. So I think I was still shirtless, which, again, I hadn't 13 hours to yet. So I was, like, shirtless, and I looked up, and walking by was Chris Hemsworth. They were shooting That's Thor. Fair. That's and I cool. was like, oh, this part shouldn't be mine. <laughs> Because look at that guy. And he looked in and like waved and, um, I ran over and felt his muscles and then came back and tried to, to finish putting on the suit. But yeah, it was, it was a really, it's really intense. Cause it's like you, you, there's no way you can put aside how big this is. I would imagine, you know, it's, I remember loving reading about like Simon Pegg talking about being on the Star Wars set. It's like, yeah, because like we talked about before, right. Full circle is like, we're all movie nerds. And so this is so exciting to be doing this. And, uh, and so, yeah, when they're like, all right, so this is the ship that you're gonna be on for this scene, and you're like, oh my God, that's a real ship. <laughs> This is so amazing! Do I get to keep this. <laughs> What's that clicky thing? Why are you yelling "action"? And they're like, "Oh my god, this kid has a long way to go. Long way to go."
0: What? Uh, anything in particular you're excited about coming this fall? Uh, films? Anything beyond uh, obviously the girl from the train, etc. Seeing it the six thousand more times. Oh, sorry, the
2: girl on the train. He obviously didn't read the book for all you. Podcasters.
0: I don't know how to read. I don't. Oh, oh, that's something we should the language. It went dark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's I can't do. drive. I can't read. I'm basically a non functioning. Oh, adult. That's why you live in this place with no windows. And this is you live here. Here, right, this yeah. isn't just yeah. yeah, this folds out into a couch.
2: <laughs> I thought so. I'm excited about a lot of different things. Um, Rogue One, very <laughs> excited about that. Yeah, I still don't know what it is, but I'm excited. It's
0: Wait, like, did I, I heard somewhere? Are you you're it's, friendly it's, with Ryan, Ryan Johnson? I am friendly with Ryan. I'm lucky enough to be a
2: friend of Ryan Johnson. He's a good guy, it's, he's the best guy, and it's one of those things where that's where it becomes super frustrating to be friends with someone like Ryan because. I, there's no way, again, just like the Captain America thing, there's no way to hide how bad you want to be in one of his movies. <laughs> so at dinner, he'll be like, how you doing, man? I'm like, pretty good. Here's the salt and my resume. <laughs> and he's like, that's super weird. But, uh, no, Ryan was like, he, Ryan also is one of the people who I'm lucky enough to have in my stable of great friends who, when I did direct this movie, um, I had him come in and, and watch cuts. So like that's oh, nice. the best part about having friends that are that smart, that yeah. talented and that kind that they come in and they do stuff like that for you. Uh,
0: let's wrap up our, our time together with a couple of random questions from an Indiana Jones fedora. Okay,
2: Perfect. Oh wow, that is an Indiana Jones fedora. Yeah, this is a little. It's not really Indiana Jones. Oh, it is. It says Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's I thought license, this was, thought fully this licensed was Lucas like a licensed Lucasfilm product.
0: I didn't make it in my oh, oh, garage. Oh, 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 oh.
2: I, I thought it was like a, I feel like, like fish, a Humphrey Bogart fedora. Like. yellow.
0: Don't. I mean, I've been doing this a while now, so you might want to like get some All right. fluid Ugh. to There's, clean you up.
2: This one has something on it. Favorite candy bar. A oh, which McCall it. Oh.
0: But we found a place where we differ.
2: Oh, wow. You got so angry about it. <laughs> well, I good take my candy seriously. God. Wow. What's your There's favorite so candy bar? There's too much in
0: there. I mean, I like a simple kind of like, a, you remember Caramello?
2: Yeah, Caramello was all right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's I'd, move I'd, on. I'd Let's rather just move on. I mean, listen, move if are doing I'm Caramello, wrong. I'd do a Rollo before well, I did I Caramello. Like Rollo's good. Yeah, Rolo's a, a little more substance to it. Uh, this is, has oh. nothing written on it. <laughs> that just has a question mark. <laughs> so is that like... It's
0: more esoteric. Yeah, that was really... Wow, this
2: show is classy. Uh, my favorite Halloween costume Wow uh, I'd, I'd have to say if I'm honest I would wish I could say something cool But I'll be honest My mom knows this It was a unbelievably well done by my mom uh, costume of Peter Pan oh. That my mom made It was incredible And the reason why it was my favorite costume Is because I think I tried to go as Peter Pan Seven or eight years in a row <laughs> And my mom tells a story of like I want to say like twelve year old John being like I still want to wear this and my mom was like here's the thing if you want friends you should choose something else.
0: Do you do you know about um so look to your right here? Do you know about Harrison's uh, Halloween activity every no, year? Uh, that little photo over there to your right, the Peapod. That's oh. our, that's Harrison Ford's Peapod. Every year he goes out what? with his kids. You should... Oh, no, I know that he dresses up. Is he always a peepod? No, no, he's been like a nun. His, his costumes are on point. They're real. They're unbelievable. Yeah, they're, they're de- he's dedicated. Does he make them? I hope so. I like to believe that. Let's, I do, let's too. Let's believe that.
2: I mean, that pee in the pod is unbelievable.
0: Let's, uh, let's end our uh, wonderful chat today on reveling in Harrison Ford's peepod costume. Paul, are you and Paul Rudd at Dave & Buster's? We went to Dave & Buster's, yeah. Wow. It was a fun time. Oh, that's
2: nice. <laughs>
0: Who's this? That's our child together. Oh, that's what it does? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Gene Machine Wow um, Congratulations on The Hollers Everybody should check it out It's a, a great piece of work An amazing ensemble And you know uh, These kind of films These smaller films They, they need love out there they're, they're, you know, Suicide Squad will get its money guys yeah, yeah, let's, exactly. let's, let's support The Hollers um, Check it out It opens August 26th August 26th uh, John it's always good to catch up with you man Absolutely you too Thanks What was yourself? your name again? <laughs> That's just not cool. We're we're, we we're going to edit that out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't tell me how to edit my show. Good to see you, ma'am. Thank you, dude. <laughs> um, that's hilarious.